What is up, everybody? Welcome to KOPW, the King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Sam Fain, your host. Uh, I'm here today to give a WrestleMania Night 2 reaction. <clears throat> I had wanted to get this out last night, you know, make it an immediate thing, you know, have something within two hours of WrestleMania shutting down uh, to, to provide for your ears, whether it be late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Uh, unfortunately, I had some technical difficulties. You know, you'd think after... Uh, what, nearly four years of doing this um, between the Fates Wide Wheel Quantum Leap podcast and, of course, King of Pro Wrestling and now the Roll Up podcast, that those technical difficulties would not often come my way. But alas, even even four years in and, and over 200 episodes of podcasting, it still, it still happens. Uh, and I was just not happy with the quality uh, of the recording. I did not feel like I could put it out there in good faith. So here I am re-recording my reaction podcast. Um, yesterday, and, and indeed the whole weekend, the whole week was, was pretty long. I watched a lot of wrestling, hours and hours and hours of independent wrestling, and of course the TakeOver shows and then the WrestleMania shows. It was a lot to watch. I feel lucky to have been able to do so because I haven't necessarily been able to watch a ton of wrestling over the past year. Uh, I've really had to kind of pick and choose just because of you know family obligations and Quite frankly, you know my own state of mind. Um, it's been it's been a difficult year, uh, which is an understatement and one I'm sure that everyone can empathize and, and sympathize with. But that said, uh, I watched a lot of wrestling this past week, and I, I think that you know WrestleMania is it's a special time. It's a, it's a special show, and I, I wanted to be able to you know give that reaction show. Um, so unfortunately, it's not my immediate reaction. I, I, I've had some time to sleep on it, but I'm recording early in the morning. And I got my cup of coffee here and I'm, I'm ready to, to dive back in and go over night two of Wrestlemania. I, I wanted to first touch on a couple of things from night one. Um, mainly I wanted to to talk about the main event again, uh, which was pretty sublime in a lot of ways, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. And one thing that I couldn't help but think yesterday as I was kind of just going over that match and, and, and those two stars, it's that when Sasha Banks was in a position similar to Bianca Belair, coming up to the main roster, having opportunities at these big matches, she didn't have anyone to do for her what she was able to do for Bianca Belair. There was no one in that position. There really wasn't. Um, Sasha was, you know, in that in that first kind of class, if you will, that came up to really jumpstart the... WWE branded women's evolution, revolution, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> and, and not that there hadn't been amazing women's wrestling taking place all over the world long before WWE decided to put some effort behind it. Um, but that said, there really wasn't anyone in that position that Sasha now occupies. It's rarefied air, to say the least. And I think w with a couple of exceptions, there's no one else that really kind of comes close to what she has been able to accomplish. You know, you can obviously make an argument for Charlotte. You could make an argument for Becky. Um, I think that as as much as I personally love Asuka and think that Asuka is, is one of the best, um, and, and really I think she's, in a lot of ways, I think she's better than like Charlotte or Becky. Um, I don't know that she occupies the same space um, at large. Um, so it, while I'm quick to want to put Asuka and Bailey kind of in that same category. I don't know that you can. I think Bailey could get there. Um, I really, really do. But I, I think as of right now, just where she is, she doesn't occupy the same space as somebody like Sasha or Charlotte or, or even Becky. Um, <clears throat> so that said, 
I think that what Sasha was able to accomplish as a performer uh, uh, at WrestleMania in that main event um, is really something that helps to cement a legacy because she, you know, she already had that legacy going in, but by putting over Bianca the way that she did, um, by taking part in in a historic moment in the company's history, uh, I think that it really kind of pushed her up even above, and, and and to the point where I am willing to say right now that Sasha Banks is the most important competitor in the women's division in the WWE ever. And I know there's going to be people who are going to want to bring up folks like AJ Lee or, you know, maybe even the Bellas or Trish Stratus or, you know, maybe even Mickey James or go back even further to somebody like Moolah, whatever. Eh. Uh, I've got my own issues with Moolah. Um, but, 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 and it's not even necessarily your standard boilerplate, you know, she was a horrible human being stuff. I just don't think she was that good of a wrestler. And I think that, um, you know, that's a conversation for another day. So I think that Sasha has really cemented her place as being the most important female performer uh, in WWE history. Uh, I, I firmly believe that. Um, I think when you look back on her career, regardless of what anybody thinks about when she decided to take a break, um, uh, what anybody wants to think about the whole, you know, tag team title situation with her and Bailey and, and whether those stories were overblown or whatnot, I wasn't there. I can't tell. So if I'm going based off of only the stuff that I see in the ring, the way that she carries herself, the stories she she's been involved with, the matches she's been involved with, uh, and, and after WrestleMania night one, I'm willing to say she's it. She's the top. Um, which again, also helps Bianca Belair because now Bianca Belair has, has, has beaten her for that title in the main event of WrestleMania. And she's, you know, one of the most athletic competitors who've ever stepped into WWE ring. Uh, she's, she's an incredible specimen without a doubt. Um, she, she's got so much talent, um, I, I still stand by a lot of what I said yesterday, that, that there are little things that she still will get better at, and, and that means that we are going to see an even better Bianca Belair, I think, over the next couple of years, um, which is something to look forward to and something to be excited about. And, you know, is a reminder to even myself that sometimes um, just because somebody is the best at what they do doesn't necessarily mean it's always best for a particular company. Some companies, it's a different structure, but some companies it makes sense to elevate a talent who might not actually be the best, but to elevate them in in order to give them the opportunity to grow into those roles. It's not always the right decision. It's not always going to work, but I do think in this instance, based off of everything we've seen of Bianca Belair and, and how she's grown over the past couple of years, that she uh, is ready for this position, and uh, I look forward to seeing what she does with it. So there's my spiel about the main event. I also want to go back to the opening match, believe it or not, um, with Bobby Lashley and um, Drew McIntyre. Uh, I might have come down a little bit too hard on it, and one of the things that was difficult for me to do, especially in watching that show, was to judge it in the context of the whole show. Um, thinking about the show as a whole, night one as a whole, the result of that match doesn't bother me at all. Uh, do I think that it would have been a stronger crowd reaction and probably made the fans happier had Drew won? Yes. Um, obviously, so there, there are people that would have been disappointed because there's a lot of people who love Bobby Lashley. Uh, I just think that popping the crowd with a babyface win in your opening match you know, would have been an easy task to accomplish. That said, in the context of the whole evening, the finish didn't really matter. I still think the interference was a little weak. I still think that there was, you know, potentially, if I'm if I'm going off into fantasy land in my own head, maybe there was a miscommunication. 
you know, maybe MVP was was out of position. Maybe Drew was out of position. Maybe you know, who knows exactly what happened in that particular moment. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I, I you know, there's a lot of speculation uh, that, that could be thrown its way because it did feel like a moment that didn't work for me personally. Um, but that said, I think that there's still ways that, that that they can go out of this and have some interesting stuff to happen. I, I think there's still legs, quite frankly, in a Bobby Lashley Drew McIntyre rematches if they want to go that route. Um, I think that you know Lashley is um, incredible competitor, um, an incredible person to have that belt on, not taking anything away from him whatsoever. I just think it's an odd choice when you had the opportunity to give Drew that moment that he didn't get last year, uh, in spite of beating Brock Lesnar for the title. Um, I don't know. It was an odd moment and, and maybe we're setting up Lashley Lesnar. And if that's the case, you know, I, I, I think that we could really get something awesome out of that. There's no doubt. Um, you know, maybe that's the idea. The idea is that Lashley can beat McIntyre, McIntyre beat Lesnar. Now Lashley can say, Lesnar, I got your number two. So it, there's a lot of interesting ways to go. Again, it's a, it's one of those things that if you look at it in the context of the evening as a whole, um, it, it, it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's kind of a shoulder shrug. Uh, but if you're looking at it from a Drew McIntyre perspective and you're a fan of Drew McIntyre and you're you know, a fan of what he's accomplished over the past 365 days, it, it was disappointing. And again, I feel, as, as a lot of other people have mentioned, it would have been an easy way to pop the crowd early and really get them going. And I think that that finish and that and, and it didn't accomplish that. Um, you know, of course, as I mentioned, one could certainly say that, hey, Vince came out there and got the big baby face pop to start the evening off so you know why why did they need to do it with drew anyway uh that's really all i want to talk about night one um you know it's funny because i I feel like i actually didn't uh mention much about the shane mcmahon and braun Strowman match um and I, i i don't know that i need to it was what it was uh you know shane does crazy shane stuff braun looks like a monster yeah, uh, moving on. All right. So night two, night two, um, man, look, the first thing I think we can get out of the way is night two was not as good as night one on the whole night one had some really consistent, wonderful stuff. Um, like, you know, Rollins and Cesaro, for instance, and of course that main event, um, the, uh, night two, it's lows, in my opinion, were so low that it just did not ever recover enough in spite of ending on two incredibly wonderful matches to be better than night one, um, in my opinion. So starting off with The Fiend and Orton, the entrance... Great. I, I actually enjoyed it a lot. I know some people didn't, but but I think the Fiend's entrance was was actually kind of fun. Um, I didn't mind it at all. The opening of the match with with the Fiend jumping over, you know, off the box, um, or, or excuse me, the the box like structure uh, over the top rope uh, with the flying clothesline. Great start to the match. Thought, oh hey, this is going to be cool, and then it dawned on me within about you know a millisecond. Oh no, they're going to keep the red lights on the whole time. Whoever is in charge of these decisions, whether it be the red lights or the quick cuts, the zoom shots, all this stuff, I I don't know if it's Vince, I I don't know if it's Kevin Dunn, somebody else in the production truck, I I, I am glad that they are gainfully employed, I am, but I kind of wish somebody could kick them in the balls, because it's awful, it is unwatchable, It, 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 it is 
awful. Um, it, it, it defies all logic of any sort of film or television production. Uh, it, it is not anything what's, it's not kinetic. They think it's kinetic, but it's not kinetic. It's often disjointed. It has no flow. It has no rhythm. It's terrible. Uh, they, they destroy these matches in the way that they film them or shoot them. If you can even call it that, um, it's, 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 it's just, the worst thing I have ever seen in relation to television or film production when it comes to professional wrestling. It's awful. Um, I would rather watch a poorly lit single cam indie show than see what they do with some of these matches. Uh, the red lights were terrible. I, I, I just, I, I, I didn't want to watch it. And, and, and thank God I had Twitter that I didn't have to watch it. Um, and then the finish, uh, Alexa pops up out of the box with the, you know, the black fluid dripping down over her face Bray gets distracted, Orton hits the RKO, end of match. Fine. Then the lights go out, and absolutely nothing happens. The lights come back up, and they're gone. It's like they were never there, and perhaps we would have been better for it had they not been. Because even the crowd was booing. Because it was just, it was, it, it was a, such a piss poor decision. It's not even something that you can say, well, we're going to hook them with this. And now on Raw, we're going to do something that'll really blow them away. Uh, no, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is WrestleMania. This is not your setup show. Can you plant some seeds? Can you maybe leave a couple of things open for a rematch down the road? Of course you can. But this kind of shit, this Grand Guggenhall theater you're trying to pull off, it, it's not doing it. I don't think it's doing it for, for anybody. Maybe it is, but it sure as hell isn't doing it for me. And I thought it was an absolutely awful way to kick off the show. Um, so no, no thank you to whoever decided that that was the route to go. Uh, so yeah, no, not, not into it, not into it. Uh, the first 20 minutes or so of the show in general were just pretty terrible. Uh, Bailey... Uh, always a breath of fresh air. Always lovely to see her. Uh, I'm loving the new character work that she's been doing. I think that this is honestly, in some ways, the best character we've ever seen from Bailey. You know, the babyface run in NXT was incredible. Uh, was one of those types of you know 1980s you know Magnum TA Terry Taylor you know white meat babyface runs that you always hear about and read about and it was amazing it was wonderful but it never fully translated to the main roster part of that is the fault of 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 what she was handed you know what she got to to work with there's no doubt about that but it still it still never had the opportunity to take hold uh you know the badass Bailey heel turn was great but this kind of like I saw somebody refer to it as like the coked out, you know, crazy villain Bailey. And, and I completely agree. And it's, and it's really doing it for me. I'm enjoying her work uh, a great deal. And I'm looking forward to what's coming next from her. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, the women's tag match. Look, you know, there were parts of this match that I thought were great, uh, sincerely. I, I thought that there was some some excellent stuff, uh, some of the strike exchanges, um, you know, some some moments that, that really worked for me. And then there were some spots that seemed to be blown or, or delayed. They didn't know what they were doing. Natalia's trying to direct traffic. It just didn't quite, it never came together, no, never coalesced. On top of all that, you have what looks like a shoot headbutt with Naya and Tamina on the outside. Tamina's busted over. Open. You know, they had to get somebody down there to patch her up before they could send her back into the ring. 
Um, it's like, what are you doing? And, you know, maybe it was an accident. Maybe we can start talking about Nia being, you know, reckless and endangering people again, whatever. You could probably level the same thing at Shayna with the, with the knee to Natty, which seemed to, you know, tear her lip up. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth there because I think Shayna's great. Um, I love what she does. Uh, I love some of the transitions, especially when she's doing the mat wrestling. Some of her strikes are great. Um, you know, she just, I, I really like the way she carries herself. I, I, I kind of like this tag team combination of Naya and Shayna and, and holding those titles. Um, but overall, it, it, it was not, it was not great. And again, really had me feeling down on night two and not looking forward to what was, you know, what was coming um, next because it just didn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't do it. Didn't do it. Um, next up, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Okay, look, this could have absolutely stolen the show. The potential was there. Uh, I've been watching these guys for like 15 years, um, you know, whether it's on the Independence, uh, you know, PWG, Ring of Honor, um, obviously NXT, WWE. Um, they've, they've had some incredible matches against one another. I think some of their best stuff has been in, in, in Ring of Honor um, that, that's been readily available for us to see. You know, maybe there's some independent match that somebody saw that, that, that would blow those away. But the Ring of Honor stuff I thought was great, the latter war, but... Um, you know, they, they've had a couple of moments in WWE, uh, but I don't think they've ever really gone there, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Logan Paul stuff, eh, whatever, you know, I, I, I hated the fact that they seemed to want to get a Logan Paul reaction shot to everything that, that, you know, was happening in the ring. Um, not a fan of that, uh, not a fan of Logan Paul. Uh, I think he's a waste of space. I don't mean to say that he's a waste of space in humanity. Uh, uh, guy deserves to have air in his lungs, wish him nothing but health and happiness. Uh, but I think that he is endemic of all of our problems in popular culture. He adds nothing to the table as far as I'm concerned, but Hey, 23 million people, I guess can't be wrong. Um, so I, I, I could care less, uh, uh about, uh, his, um, participation. Um, the match itself, uh, they, they were pulling out some really cool stuff, some great, you know, some great spots, some great combinations of moves that we haven't seen from these guys necessarily in WWE. Um, they were doing some really cool stuff. Uh, you know, I would have liked it to maybe go a little bit longer, um, uh, I, I think that these guys have another gear in them, and it didn't quite get there. Uh, some of the commentary stuff was great. JBL, actually, um, who you know I don't always like. Um, I, I thought it, it, there was just some really great stuff. Um, the the Von Erichs and Freebirds comparison, while not necessarily spot on, was was good to hear, and I can see where he was going with it. Uh, and hey, uh, I'm always for Von Erichs and, and Freebirds. Uh, a reference. Um, JBL also referencing the battleground match between these two. It's a match that's five years old. You know, WWE has had a habit in the past of, of you know, making history convenient for themselves and, and not mentioning certain things when they don't want to and pretending that things never happened when they did. Um, but it's always nice when they bring stuff up like this. Uh, and I, I thought it was a good little touchstone for him to add into the, to the match. Um, you know, it, 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 the, the finish was great. Uh, I, I didn't mind Owens winning at all. Um, I think that at this point uh, in the night, I was easily thinking that this could be a top three match um, of, of the weekend. Um, you know, I, I thought that it was probably better than, than Lashley and McIntyre. I don't know if it was better than Rollins and Cesaro. Um, I, I didn't think it was better than, than Belair and Sasha. Um, but but I think that it was, you know, probably top three tier. Um, and, and I was kind of positive that it would probably still finish out top five. I don't know if I still think that, but, but, um, 
I thought they had a great match. Uh, the after stuff, uh, Kevin Owens is our hero. Um, he stunned Logan Paul, and good for you. Good for you. Uh, good for all of us. <laughs> um, so next up with Riddle and Sheamus. I first saw Matt Riddle uh, at the Berwyn Eagles Club in Berwyn, Illinois, right outside of Chicago, uh, a few years back, probably about almost four years ago. And uh, he, from the get-go, I just I thought he was great. He had a match with Shane Strickland that that was uh, just just wonderful. Um, I saw him again at an Evolve show, saw him at a few more AAW shows. Um, and, yeah, I just loved everything he did. Uh, I, I think he's a fantastic talent, and uh, I, I thought that his NXT run was good. Um, I think that, you know, what he's done so far in the main roster is fine. You know, they, they've saddled him kind of with this goofy doofus stoner character, but his in-ring work and, and what the matches that he's pulling off always uh, go above that, that character. And, and I think that as long as that happens, I don't care what they do with the character. You know, as long as he's able to go out there and have good matches, um, I'm, I'm there for it. Uh, the match with Sheamus was really good. There were obviously a couple of moments that didn't quite work, didn't quite come together, a couple of blown spots. Um, you know, Sheamus saved Matt Riddle's life. Uh, <laughs> there were some really cool moments. Obviously, that finish was great. You know, it, it, yes, of course, it was reminiscent of the Ricochet and Adam Cole finish from a couple of years ago, but, uh, you know, its own thing, I felt like. Um, Man, I, I, there was just so much that that I enjoyed about this match, and I enjoyed about you know, these guys just pounding on one another. Uh, you know, Riddle's mat game, some of the submission stuff, I thought was fantastic. Um, I don't mind Sheamus winning here. Uh, you know, Sheamus is one of those guys that sometimes you know can be a little boring. His matches can kind of all look the same, um, but he can also go out there and, and tear it up. Um, you know, he's a talent. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I think it's fine that he wins the title here. Um, I think it sets Riddle up potentially for, uh, some cool stuff down the road. So we'll, we'll see what happens next. I love the visual with the bloody mouth, um, you know, Riddle using it to his, uh, advantage. Um, and you know, when stuff like that happens, when you get a little hard way, uh, you know, I think that there's two schools of thought. It's like either, yeah, you call a trainer out and you get it patched up as quickly as possible and you carry on with the event or you pan the camera away or whatever. But as a talent, you know, I think the decision to kind of use Use it for that cool visual and that storytelling is is brilliant, and I, I think it just again it, it reaffirms what I've been saying. Matt Riddle was great, um, and I, I think he's got a lot of mileage on him. He could easily be a, a you know world champion one day. Uh, I, I firmly believe that. You know, I was a little skeptical when he went to WWE. I kind of we, we'd had this conversation before on the podcast. I was hoping that he'd make you know go to New Japan, but uh, I'm I'm you know again I, I'm happy for him. I think he's doing some some good stuff. So. Uh, and like I said, that finish was just was just gorgeous. Um, the video package for Big E and Apollo Cruz was great. Again, just just proof that they do that stuff so well. And uh, it told a great story. Um, I love what they've you know, they found something now with Apollo Cruz, and they they kind of get him. They they've been able to give him something to run with, and I am one hundred percent on board. Um, you, you know, I, I think that. Uh, there are some people that are maybe identifying some cringy aspects uh, of it, and, and maybe that is there. I'm not saying that I don't have, you know, those moments. At the same time, I'm just more interested in seeing a stellar talent like Apollo Crews succeed and have good stuff to do. So I just want to see, you know, where it goes. And, and, of course, when you have two 
incredibly proud, wonderful human beings like Big E and Apollo Crews that are that are participating in this stuff. Uh, it's hard for me to question the motives behind it because uh, if they're on board, then then, then I'm on board. Um, the two of these guys fighting for the intercontinental strap honestly made that belt feel a little more important to me. It really did. Uh, even down to the entrances, you, you know, I mean, Big E is just got so much passion and energy and conviction and he deserves to be world champion and he's great. And I, you know, I'll, I'm just going to fast forward real quick. I, I Did I want this match to be like a 15 to 20 minute banger where these guys just threw everything in the kitchen sink uh, at one another and and, and and it was just an incredible match um, that, that rose beyond any stipulations or, you know, or anything like that? Of course I did. But for what it was, I thought it was great. It did exactly what it wanted to do. Uh, Cruz wins the title, um, you know, doesn't go over clean, uh, leaves Biggie plenty of room to go wherever he's going to go next, whether that is potentially a feud with Roman or, you know, continue the feud with Apollo, whatever happens, there's, there's room to grow there. So I, I think that, um, it was fine. I, I, I'm not going to take anything away from it. It's one of those matches that you watch and you, you almost end up feeling like it was more of an angle than a match. And I feel bad saying that because they, they did some crazy shit in this match. You know, I mean, they, they didn't hold back. I mean, you know, some of those table spots and, and apron spots and, and, and stuff on the steps and everything. I mean, that was that's not the type of stuff you're going to be walking around today thinking like, oh, yeah, I, I just shot an angle last night, not a match. I mean, you're going to feel it. But, uh, the you know, it didn't necessarily feel like I was getting to see um, the blow off of a feud, which makes me think that, that there will probably be a rematch at some point. Um, although, like I said, they could shoot Biggie off into a different angle. We'll see. Um, you know, at this point, I was definitely thinking like, man, this is the, the it's not even close. Night one is way better than night two. Uh, and then we get Asuka and Rhea Ripley. The more I think about it, the more I can't help but think this is one of my favorite matches of WrestleMania. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it might have been a little rushed. Uh, I thought that there were a couple of moments where I wanted to either see them sell more or, or you know, kind of some of the mat wrestling that they were doing. I wanted to maybe last longer. Um, I think that it was probably rushed for a reason. Um, and I think that that's too bad because I think had they been given just a couple of minutes, not even, they didn't need a ton of extra time, literally just, you know, maybe 30 seconds here of, of, of selling the DDT off the apron, maybe, you know, an extra, you know, 10 to 20 seconds on the mat, an extra, you know, whatever, literally just a couple more minutes would have given this match a little extra time to breathe. And it would have easily made it one of the best matches of the weekend, if not the best match of the weekend. Um, I really enjoyed it. I love Oscar. I think she's absolutely incredible. I think that she's, you know, just a, a top tier performer beyond any shadow of a doubt. I think Rhea Ripley is, is, you know, is, is right there. You know, she's just got so much personality, so much charisma. She's, she's really good in the ring. Um, you know, this was definitely uh, the type of stuff that I, that I want to see more of. Uh, you know, I think Ripley getting the, the win again is the right call. Asuka can elevate somebody. Um, like this and, and not really lose anything. Like Asuka's still going to be looked at as a badass and dangerous. I mean, quite frankly, her losing to Rhea Ripley at this WrestleMania, uh, 
doesn't hurt her in any way the way that it was when she lost to Charlotte. Like, like I still think she should have never lost to Charlotte, quite frankly. Um, but losing to Ripley here doesn't hurt her at all. Um, so I think it was the right call. I think it was a good match. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Ripley does with the title. Always interested to see what Asuka does next. Um, you know, I really hope that uh, these rumors about EO going up to the main roster and, and doing a tag team with Asuka aren't true because it's just like, do we need Kabuki Warriors 2.0? I, you know, it, it just, I don't know, feels easy and lazy um, it, to me if, if, if that is a choice that they're going to do. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. Um, we got Samoa Joe dropping the Kawada reference. Uh, that's right. Toshiaki Kawada's name has now been mentioned on WrestleMania. Uh, loved it. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, yeah, I, again, nothing, nothing to complain about with that match. And then they give us a video package that is basically a replay of the opening match in Toto. What the fuck were they thinking? Like, they needed to show us that and not give the last match a couple extra minutes? Like, what? Why? There's no reason. There's no... This isn't Raw where you're trying to catch up viewers who might have missed the opening, you know, segment or something. Like, what are you doing and there was no payoff. There was no, like, we're showing you this now because there's going to be this extra Bray moment or, or you know, something's going to happen. There was, it, was, it was pointless. It was absolutely pointless. There should have absolutely been more time given to the Asuka-Ripley match uh, if that was the case. And then we get Titus and Hogan coming out again. Look, Hogan, it's hard for me to talk about. I, I, I haven't addressed it a lot. It, it, you know, he was my hero when I was, like, five years old, running around the house, a shirt around my shoulders, you know, pretending to be uh, Hulk Hogan, making all the poses. I literally have audio cassette tapes that my grandparents kept of me cutting Hogan promos uh, when I was, like, five and six years old. Like, Hogan was my hero. Um, you know, I, I moved on to Bret Hart. Uh, and, and, and then I, you know, I love to hate Hogan in, in, in the NWO era. I was kind of, you know, thought it was neat to see him back with the, 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 the red and the yellow towards the end of his WCW run. Uh, you know, I kind of enjoyed seeing the, those sort of time capsule-esque moments that he had when he came back to WWE. Um, But at that point, I knew I'd seen kind of the, 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 the strings. I'd seen the strings and known that, that this guy was not really a great guy, um, that he was very much a self-interested human being who didn't care about other people, was willing to use other people and, and stomp over other people and always wanted to play the victim and always wanted to make himself look good. Um, but it was hard to hate him for that because at the same time, he's human. He wanted you know to, to achieve. He wanted to go places. Um, so while I might not have liked it, it didn't necessarily take too much away from my enjoyment of him as a wrestler, especially when I was younger, uh, when the recording surfaced with his racist comments, um, I was, that was kind of it for me. And it has been, um, he's not rehabilitated himself. Any notion within the WWE that he has, I think has been gracefully, shot to hell by comments that have been made by people like Big E and Xavier Woods um, without damning him, which I think is just a, a statement of their character above all. But I, I don't think that there's going to be much room in my heart to celebrate Hulk Hogan. And 
I don't know Titus O'Neil. I don't know what happened backstage. I don't know what conversations took place. I don't want to speculate too much on that because I think it does, uh, who by all accounts is a wonderful human being, Titus O'Neil, a disservice. There were times, though, when I, when I would agree with what some people have said that he looked a little uncomfortable. And, uh, I, I am, you know, it's, it's too bad. And, uh, it felt like, again, wasted time that we didn't need. Then we had the Bailey appearance and myself, like a lot of others, uh, you know, it was like, oh, here we go. It's coming. We're going to get something awesome here. Uh, namely Becky Lynch's return. It's going to be a really cool moment. Look. Becky Lynch had a baby, you know, a little over four months ago. I highly doubt, based off of what I know after my wife had a baby, uh, that she's anywhere near ring shape, that she is anywhere near getting back and bumping, that she is ready for that. She's clearly, you know, back in the gym training and stuff. Um, rumors had run rampant, uh, it had been all but confirmed by people who seemed to know what they were talking about, that Becky Lynch was going to show up. Um, if WWE had Becky Lynch in the back, ready to go, and then decided at the last minute, you know what, we think people might know about this, we're going to save this for later, we're not going to do it here, they are fools. They are fools. If they save it for SummerSlam and they have a crowd for SummerSlam... I'm okay, but they better not mention Becky Lynch. They better not show Becky Lynch. They better not have her on TV until SummerSlam, because if they ruin what could have been an all-time great WrestleMania moment, if they ruin what could have been an all-time great comeback, because they didn't want the crowd to anticipate that she was already going to be there, because they wanted to surprise the crowd, because they decided, oh, you know what? You've seen the lollipop, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it away. You can't have it right now. Whatever the case may be, it's bullshit. It was stupid. The Bellas, all respect to them, no, that moment was nothing. It was nothing. Uh, Bailey should have beaten the, the the Bellas up, quite frankly, and, you know. And then we should have seen Becky Lynch come out again. I'm not saying that Becky would have had to do anything. She wouldn't have had to throw a punch. She could have just come out. There could have been, you know, she could have just stared at her, pointed at her. She could have, you know, had a, a a cool entrance that would have just been enough to scare Bailey off for right now. Whatever. It, it just. That moment was useless to me. It was useless to me. It meant nothing other than the fact that Bailey got to have that cool John Cena line. So, uh, again, all all respect to Bailey. Bailey's awesome. Uh, uh, but uh, what? Why? Why did? Why? Why was it that the Bellas got to come out and beat her down? Like I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. I don't want to say these things. I want like a lot of people. I want WWE to be good. I want it to be great. But all I can think to myself is, like, you couldn't have given more time to Asuka and Rhea? You couldn't have given more time to Sammy and KO? Like, what are you doing? And it just made me feel sorry for, for Bailey, frankly. Anyway, main event time. Once again, a brilliant video package to set everything up for people who hadn't necessarily been watching along, which obviously there are a lot of people that come to Mania that watch Mania and, you know, don't watch much else. I myself have admitted that I did not watch everything between, you know, the Rumble and Mania, that I've not been following everything, that that, that I've not been too interested. Um, but the video package was great. Uh, it's clear that, that all three of these guys are firing on all cylinders. Great promo work from all three of them. Um, 
great stories here. Uh, you know, Roman Reigns has, has finally ascended. He is at the head of the table. He's not backing down. He's not letting anybody go. He's the best there is. He's, you know, it's, uh, he's got that certitude, that kind of certitude that, that says that, you know, we know that there's got to be somebody out there that's going to take him down. Like we know he's not as great as he says he is, but he is so certain of it that it just makes you it, like, it makes you want to see him get beat down even more. I love that. I love that, that, that type of certitude that we see in people sometimes politicians, for instance, that, that just makes him even more despicable. And, and he's got that right now and it's wonderful and it works. And, and, and this is just some of the best stuff of his career as far as I'm concerned. Uh, obviously the story with edge, you know, 10 years gone, 10 years I had to walk away. I never lost that title. I never, you know, it's just so great. And he's done some of the best work, uh, promo work of his career leading up to this. Um, And quite frankly, we haven't necessarily seen a lot of like matches from him, you know, um, a, a lot of the Randy Orton stuff, there was kind of some smoke and mirrors, all due respect. I mean, he's in great shape. He's, he's clearly worked his ass off. He's, you know, I mean, he's a great wrestler not taking anything away from him whatsoever. Um, but, but yeah, this was an opportunity for him to just get out there in the main event of WrestleMania and and work. Daniel Bryan. I love Daniel Bryan. I've always loved Daniel Bryan. I, you know, I loved him before WWE and NXT. You know, I loved his matches with Nigel McGuinness. I loved his matches in, in Ring of Honor when he, when he held the title there. Uh, you know, he's just, he's, he's incredibly gifted performer, once in a lifetime talent, um, doing some wonderful stuff leading, leading up to Mania. And, and, you know, you got to think if this maybe is his last shot, if this is, you know, the, the sundown on, on his career, um, you know, what a way to kind of build to, to that going out moment. And, and the they were able to create enough doubt in my mind that I did not know who was going to win this match. I had a feeling that Reigns was going to retain that. Like if you would have pulled me before this match, I probably would have been 40% Reigns, 30% Brian, 30% Edge. Um, maybe 35% Edge, 25% Brian. But uh, it was, you know, they created some doubt and I really appreciated that. Um, the match itself, I thought was great. I thought it was just your classic WrestleMania triple threat main event. Like it just worked. All three of these guys are so good. There was just so much going on in the match. It didn't feel overbooked though. It never felt like, you know, like, like the O'Reilly Cole match that I talked about, uh, on the last episode, it didn't feel overbooked in any way. Um, it worked. The, the, the Jey Uso stuff worked. The, the table spots worked. The chair spots worked. The stair steps, you know, spots worked. Like everything just worked. The, the, the double team submission spot with, with Edge and Brian and the, you know, the piece of the chair and reins was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant brilliant. The save that Daniel Bryan made, he made two pin saves in this match that were without a doubt some of the best pin saves you will ever see, ever, period, in wrestling. Because they weren't your standard, oh, I'm going to fall on top of these guys. Oh, here's the forearm shot. Oh, here, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to tug on the leg. He literally, he saved it. When he grabbed Reigns' hand and then he got into the submission hold and then look, Edge and Daniel Bryan are incredible professionals, legendary professionals of this business who know more than I will ever know. And more than likely anybody who's listening to this podcast will ever know about professional wrestling, about taking care of their bodies, about doing what needs to be done in that ring. I am not going to question their decision to, to do the headbutts. Did it make me cringe just a little bit for a moment? Of course it did. But then I realized exactly what I just said, that they know what they're doing and I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt because they were having an incredible match. So I'm not going to sit here and be one of those guys that's like, what are they doing? The headbutts, the neck, brain injuries, they have a history. No, I'm not going to do that. 
Um, because ultimately it was, again, it was brilliant. It was brilliant from the moment edge took the piece of the chair and stuck it in Roman's mouth through Daniel Bryan's save of the tap to the double submission, to the headbutts, to the breaking. That entire moment was a story in and of itself. It was a story within a story and it was beautiful. And I don't want to take anything away from it for any reason. So fucking wonderful. Um, you know, the, 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 the rest of the match I thought was great. The false finishes. We hadn't seen a ton of false finishes this weekend. And so, surprise, surprise, it made the false finishes mean more. Now, I'm not a guy that's going to sit there and say like, oh, you shouldn't have them. You know, there shouldn't be four matches with false finishes on a card or whatever. I'm, I, I like to see the match. I like to see a match. Give me a match. You know, I, I, I know I'm not watching it in a vacuum. I get that. But I want a good match. That said, look. It's true. It's true. You don't do a ton of false finishes the rest of the card. And when you do have a match with false finishes, they mean more. And and that was true here. Um, did I bite on any of them? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I didn't, but they still meant more. Um, yeah. And, and then you get into the finish of the match. And again, it just felt like it could be anybody's match. Uh the Busakuni, you know, the, 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 the spears, um, you know, the Superman punch, it just all of it felt so good. And the crazy thing is as, as much as Roman Reigns stands tall, as much as Roman Reigns got put over, as much as his title reign is cemented here, it's hard to walk away feeling like there's any losers in this match. And I say that Knowing that again, we could be seeing the end of Daniel Bryan's, you know, potential main event run. That 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 this could be the the, the true twilight period of his career. That Edge, you know, probably doesn't have a ton of mileage left in him. That this might be his last WrestleMania main event, you know, spot. Um, but it, it, I don't know. I, I just walked away from this match with a greater appreciation for all three guys. And that's saying something because, you know, Brian and, and, and edge in particular, like I had a lot of appreciation and respect and love for. Um, but after seeing this match, man, it's, it's hard for me to not consider this the best match of WrestleMania. All due respect to Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Um, I think their match was more meaningful. I think that if I, if I were to go back and watch it again, I probably would still side with Sasha and, and, and Bianca because I felt like maybe their match was a little bit more innovative. That said, there was a lot of creative stuff in this match. Um, but I think I preferred the fact that we got a wrestling match with Sasha and Bianca. And in this match, you know, you still had some, some of those garbage spots. Um, and I say garbage in, you know, the, the parlance, not as a, as a, as a pejorative, but, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was great. It was a great way to close the show. I would still say that these last two matches and the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match were not enough to redeem night two. In my opinion, I think night one is still the better night. Uh, the lows of night two were far lower than anything on night one. Um, and the highs were maybe only as high as the highs, uh, on, on night one. So, um, the last two matches on night two were, were incredible. I loved them. Um, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm a hundred percent here for it. And, uh, I, I thought that they were fantastic matches. And I think that if I'm going to, you know, if I'm, if I'm making my list of the top three matches of WrestleMania in no particular order, because I think that would be too hard. I'm going Banks and Belair, uh, the triple threat main event and, and Ripley and Asuka. And maybe that is the order. I don't know. Um, you know, I think, again, I think I might put Asuka and Ripley, uh, higher. I don't know, but those are, those are my three favorite matches. Uh, really enjoyed it. That's not to take anything away from Rollins and Cesaro. That's not to take anything away from, um, 
you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn or Lashley and Drew McIntyre. I think uh, those three matches were really good as well. Um, you know, I enjoyed stuff uh, that I saw, obviously, from the Bad Bunny match. I thought that, you know, that that was just a really entertaining match. One of those moments where you're just sort of like, whoa, you know, that happened. But, uh, yeah, overall, the, I'm, I'm going to stick by those as being my top three matches. I'm glad I watched. You know, will I keep watching? Did they do enough to make me say, ah, you know, Raw and SmackDown are going to be destination television for me again? No. No, they didn't. Um, but they definitely did enough to, 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 you know, make me consider watching tonight and seeing what happens tonight. Um, seeing where they go next. Uh, I still think they make a lot of mistakes. I think that they, they still, you know, they, they get in their own way a lot. And I understand that they have a lot of, you know, business considerations and, and marketing considerations, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they're a global brand and there's all this other stuff that they have to do and all these other masters that they have to serve, um, which, you know, whatever, it is what it is. Um, I, I think one of the things I loved about the Broken Skull Sessions, which I tweeted a little bit about, thanks Chris Jericho for the retweet, like he's listening, um, the uh, the Broken Skull Sessions with Chris Jericho and Stone Cold Steve Austin was fantastic. I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Jericho had a comment about AEW and kind of, you know, the reasons for AEW and, and just needing an alternative. Um, and, you know, he had a comment even about talking about how he didn't necessarily see AEW as competition or in competition with WWE. A lot of people took that the wrong way. Of course they did. And there's been a lot of comments made. And I think that the, all of those people who, who've made any comments about that as, you know, Jericho dismissing AEW or is WWE getting points there by him saying that missed the point entirely um and you know blew it out of proportion completely i think you know it was clear with what he said i'm not having to read anything into it it's literally his words that he said that because aew is the alternative you know um there was the he always uses a lot of like uh, music analogies and so i'll use one here it's basically like you know you've been listening to hair bands uh for the 80s and now here comes nirvana and they're different and that doesn't mean that all those hair bands were going to go away right Right away, it didn't mean that uh, you know people were only going to listen to alternative you know rock music and, and Nirvana and grunge and you know post punk whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, you know, I just think it's all rock and roll. But uh, you know, they just wanted to have an alternative. They they wanted to have an alternative, and 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 that doesn't mean that there were people out there like the people. Most of the people that were out there listening to the hair bands to begin with probably weren't going to immediately jump over and listen to Nirvana. But there were a lot of people out there that were never really listening to the hair bands to begin with, and now they can listen to Nirvana. And 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 I think that that's true. It's like with with WWE, there's a lot of people that are never going to leave WWE for AEW, but there are a lot of people that weren't watching WWE. WWE to begin with, and now they can watch AEW. Um, so I think that, you know, again, that, that, that WWE kind of continues to prove why there was the need to have that kind of national, uh, televised alternative. And, um, yeah, I, I, I love the Broken Skull Sessions. I love seeing those two guys just, you know, kick back and talk. I loved seeing uh, them, you know, kind of rehash some stuff. Like, there's stuff that, that's not necessarily new, but but in that context and from that perspective with those two talking about, like, Jericho's early career and, uh, you know, showing some of the moments from his WCW run and, you know, just having the conversation that they had. I, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was one of the best Broken Skull Sessions ever. Um, you know, Jericho is incredibly charismatic uh, and, and, you know, just has a brilliant mind. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's one of the most, you know, charismatic performers ever. And, and just, uh, I, I'd watch him do anything, you know? So it was one of those opportunities to see these two guys sit down and have that conversation. And it was unique. It was unique. The idea that you can have basically, you know, the tops, arguably the top star of AEW sit down with, you know, one of, if not the, you know, 
top star all time for WWE on the WWE Network slash Peacock and, and have that conversation. It, it's great. It's great. And and to know that, as Austin put it in the beginning, that it was basically it was a text to Vince saying, hey, I want to do this. And Vince was like, yeah, go ahead. You know, and then, and then and Austin was just sort of like, wait a minute, I just want to make sure you know what I'm talking about. And that Vince was like, yeah, do it. And there's no doubt that Vince is out of touch in a lot of ways. We know that. Uh, it, it's, it's, I think, I think we can kind of accept it as the truth. He's not as out of touch as we think he is. Um, and I think also mania was kind of a bit of proof of that too. I think that there's something to be said for the shorter matches. Um, the, you know, the fewer, uh, finishers being used, um, you know, fewer false finishes. Uh, I think that the wrestling matches that took place, uh, and I, you know, wrestling with a capital W here, uh, were almost maybe an attempt for WWE to start to retrain their audience. Um, and I, and, and, and I think that the Lashley McIntyre match could also be a little bit evidence of that. Um, you know, as could the, the Rollins Cesaro and the, the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match, because I think both of those matches, you know, you can sit here and say like, well, they could have maybe gone a little longer. You could even say that about Bianca and Belair or Bianca and Belair. <laughs> oh man, it's been a long weekend. Shouldn't have gotten up so early. Uh, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. So I, I I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if maybe we're we're starting to see something a little new here, a little fresh. You know, the title changes looked good. There's still issues. You know, it's still a mixed bag. But when you have a roster that huge, when you have to produce that many hours of content, it's tough. And if I you know if I if I combined all the really good stuff that I enjoyed, you know, if you take the good matches. Uh, those those sort of top six matches, and you throw in like the Bad Bunny match and the uh, Apollo Cruz uh, Big E match. Um, you got an eight match card there. That I, not many companies, if any company, is going to be able to beat. Like it, when they're good, they're good. Uh, so. Yeah, I I I, I kind of want to leave it at that. I think when they're good, they're good. Uh, leave it on a positive note. Um, what else is is new in my world? You know, I, I'm I'm happy to be recording again. I'm happy to be uh, here um, talking to wrestling fans and engaging in the conversation. Um, the interactions and engagements I had on Twitter over this past week were so much fun and. Um, uh, you know, I, I always love seeing what other people have to say. Um, you know, it's not just about likes and retweets. I'm you know, sure those can can make you feel good um, and, and make you appreciate the the person that's taking the time to do that. But uh, it's even better when you can have you know even just a short, quick exchange uh, on Twitter or something like that. Is it's fun? It's cool being able to respond to people, talk to people. You know, our social interactions have been so limited uh, this past year. I can't I can't wait to be face to face with people um, again and and. and really be able to, you know, give, give somebody a hug. I mean, I have no shame or embarrassment in saying that the next time I can give uh, a friend a a really good hug, I'm probably going to cry. You know, it's just, it's something that's, that's been missing from our lives, from a lot of our lives, um, this past year. And, you know, that's not to say that my wife and daughter aren't, aren't enough. Uh, you know, that's, that's how I've survived. Um, but I, I think that, uh, the ways that we've found to interact with one another in the past year, um, without being able to do some of those things that, that are so normal and commonplace, um, makes you feel good. So, uh, shout out to everyone who helped, you know, make it feel good this past week. 
Um, I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, the other podcast, Fate's Wide Wheel, Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis, which is really not a Quantum Leap podcast anymore. We wrapped up Quantum Leap back in December uh, with the final episode of the series right before Christmas. Um, We've been going ever since, though, and uh, releasing not quite weekly, but, you know, at least twice a month episodes um, talking about other, you know, genre um, content. Um, We we talked about uh, WandaVision and we're talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier. We've also talked about some other TV shows that we really like, uh, The Good Place, Queen's Gambit. You know, we just we just kind of really run the gamut and, and we're no longer doing like episode by episode deep dives like we did with Quantum Leap. It's more just sort of like an hour, you know, maybe hour and 20 minutes. Of, of us talking about uh, what we're enjoying. Uh, you know, it's worth noting both of us do have professional acting backgrounds uh, in theater um, with some, you know, independent film uh, stuff here. And I've done a couple of pilots as well. But um, yeah, it, it, we, we try to, to kind of bring that knowledge to bear, but we also don't ever want to sound, you know, arrogant or cocky about it. We know our place, you know, neither one of us is, you know, making millions of dollars or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, but that said, we try to have, you know, uh, to use some of the experience that we do have. Um, you know, uh, in, in talking about some of these shows. So you kind of get an actor's perspective, um, on, on some of the stuff that, that we've been watching. Um, also really been enjoying the Phil Singer games roll up podcast. Uh, it's honestly in a lot of ways, it's still sinking in that we're really doing this. Um, and not to, to devolve into hyperbole, but it's kind of a dream of mine, you know, to be able to contribute and be a part of this community that I have so long loved and enjoyed and, and been a part of myself, um, for a good 20 years, uh, 20 plus years, you know, I've tried to be actively involved in the community, um, through message boards, guest books back in the day, uh, email, you know, groups, etc. you know, um, making bootleg cards, um, posting match results, um, you know, and, and I've been playing the game now for nearly 30 years. So, and there are people who have been playing longer than I have. I mean, the game's been around since like 1987. Um, so, I mean, it's, uh, it's just an incredible community, and if you have any enjoyment in professional wrestling, which obviously you do, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, I cannot recommend Phil Singer Games enough. Uh, you know, test it out. See if you like it. PhilSingerGames.com. Uh, you can always listen to the Roll Up podcast for more information. We had a really cool interview, like I said, with Dylan Hales from IWTV, Southern Underground Pro, and Action uh, Pro Wrestling uh, last week on our last episode. Um and we've got some really cool stuff coming up. We you know, we wrapped up Road to Galacticon, a virtual convention, um, leading into July's big Galacticon, which is their yearly you know big convention um, with announcements, the drop of uh, new game editions, game cards, uh, panels, um, and it was a lot of fun. You know, we ran a few tournaments, had some some panels with uh, the the teams who are responsible for the creative side, uh, writing the booklets, creating the cards. Um, the Legends team uh, they have a podcast of their own, Uncharted Territory. Cannot recommend recommend it enough. Even if you're not a fan of Filsinger games or you've never played Filsinger games, I still highly recommend the podcast. Um, one of my favorite things is when they talk about um, their work uh, because the, the, you know, they're responsible for the legends of pro wrestling excuse me, Legends of Wrestling uh, game line. Um, you know, uh, they write the books, they, they write the cards, design the stats for the cards, um, and they're incredibly knowledgeable individuals. Um, Chad and Corey Olson, um, Stu Lowry and Tim Dalton. Um, just just always a pleasure to to listen to them talk. And and for wrestling fans specifically, which of course they, they all are, uh, 
the, the when they talk about some of these legends of wrestling sets that they've worked on, um, some of the stories that they're able to tell about having met these guys, or you know the matches they grew up on, or stories that they've heard, um, it, it's really really some great content, and and I can't recommend their podcast enough. Again, it's Uncharted Territory. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, been doing some reading. Um, Rock Rims. Uh, he's just a wonderful author, uh, concentrating mostly on California wrestling history. He's got two volumes in particular that I absolutely love. Uh, one that I've been reading recently is When It Was Big Time, a 100-year history of Northern California professional wrestling. Uh, excellent Excellent stuff. I think he's a great writer. There are a lot of people out there who are wonderful wrestling historians. They they are banks of knowledge, that, and their knowledge should be preserved and written down. There's no doubt about it. But they're not always the best writer. Um, it's, just, it's just true. Uh, what are you going to do? But uh, Rock Rims is a great writer, and I really appreciate his style. Uh, and, and, of course, the content is, is sublime. So can't recommend him enough. You can find him on Twitter or Facebook um, and see uh, if he's got any copies left. He does limited print runs, but but oftentimes the books do come back in a print. You just kind of have to wait to catch a, a print run um, because they do always sell out, um, uh, which is great for him. Uh, he, he even has some DVDs of some cool, you know, uh, California wrestling stuff that, that are, uh, again, very limited, um, hard to come by, but uh, every once in a while he'll say, you know, hey, I got a few copies of this or a few copies of that. And it's, it's yeah, so it's worth following him. Um, also, just to keep up on what he's got coming next, he's doing a Roy Shire bio- uh, biography, which should be great, um, about the promoter, of course, in Northern California, um, uh, a Ray Stevens biography that he's working on, which, you know, anybody who uh, knows anything about old school wrestling or classic wrestling, I think a Ray Stevens biography is something that a lot of people are going to really enjoy. I know I will. Um, you know, give a shout out to Tim Hornbaker with his um, Buddy Rogers um biography that, that released uh, this past, was it November, December? Uh, I'm a little off now. I think it was December, but um, it, just a great book. Uh, so much wonderful wrestling history in that book. And, and of course, a detailed history of, of the nature boy, Buddy Rogers, um, you know, one of the most iconic performers of all time. Um, so yeah, I'm always, you know, always trying to read, always trying to learn, always trying to grow. Um, and this podcast is a perfect outlet for that. So, uh, feel free to hit me up at KOPW 72 on Twitter. I'm always looking forward to, to chatting. Um, no, I was not born in 1972. It's just that that was the year that New Japan was formed. And, you know, this started off as a New Japan broadcast. So that's why there's the 7-2 there in case you were wondering. Um, so yeah, at KOPW72, uh, if you agree with me, you disagree with me, you, 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 you want to talk about ice cream, let me know. I'm up for it. Uh, also, uh, philsingergames.com, you can find the podcast there embedded on the website. Uh, just look up at the top on the menu bar there and you'll see podcast. Click on that, you'll see the latest episode embedded as well as links to prior episodes and of course Apple Podcast subscriptions, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Um, really happy with the roll-up podcast cast and would love to to draw some listeners over there and and of course get people rolling those dice and playing uh, Phil Singer games. There's also an online component so you can play the game online from your computer. Um, don't have to get out the dice and break out the cards um, if you're working with limited space or limited time. Always fun to do, uh, especially when you're at work and you have a break, of course. 
Um, <laughs> so we'll be recording an episode uh, recapping the Road to Galacticon and talking a little bit about some of the, the new things that you can expect going forward um, on our next episode. Uh, Fate's Wide Wheel, Quantum Leap Podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking, I think, about Falcon Winter Soldier and maybe a little bit of Star Trek this week, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, you can find us, uh, just search Fate's Wide Wheel on Apple Podcasts or pretty much anywhere, and we'll, we'll pop up. Uh, we've been going for a long time, you know, over 100 episodes. We covered the entire uh, episode by episode series of Quantum Leap, which was a lot of fun, one of our favorite TV shows from when we were kids. Um, also, oh, back to Phil Singer Games. I forgot to mention the Phil Singer Games ProBoards.com is the message boards for Phil Singer Games. Um, lots of great conversations over there. Um, can seem a little overwhelming, but it's a great place to kind of dip your toe in, ask questions, you know, if you're interested in the game, if you haven't yet purchased the game. Um, and, and there's just a lot of really cool conversation that happens in general based around, um, you know, wrestling and other things, especially if you scroll all the way down to the bottom um, of the board, you'll see uh, sort of that non-game related content down there. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to wrap things up here. Um, I said it last night uh, when the podcast was actually going to drop last night, it would have maybe meant a little bit more, but uh, I feel like it's still worth putting out there. Uh, April 11th, 2021 um, was, uh, you know, it was a day where um, I thought about this a couple of times and and it was clear that there were a lot of other people uh, on Twitter that were thinking about it. Um, It was the anniversary of the death of Larry Sweeney and Larry Sweeney was a very special talent. Um, Anybody who got to see his work uh, in Chikara or Ring of Honor or anywhere else for that matter uh, knew that they were, they they were seeing someone who was quite special, very charismatic and excellent talker um, just got the business in so many ways and, and could work. And uh, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have have seen his work um, while he was still around and, you know, be aware of who he was. Um, not enough, quite frankly. Um, learned far more about him after he, after he died, unfortunately. But uh, um, he does have a card in Phil Singer Games, um, and the artwork was shared by their, their account, and I, I retweeted that because it was just kind of great to, to remember him. Um, so 12 Large Brother, uh, and uh, he's definitely missed a lot of performers out there I know uh, who worked with him Um Loved him dearly and, and miss him quite a bit. So, um, not not necessarily want to leave it on a downer, but but want to leave it on a moment of just remembrance and uh, and give that twelve large shout out. So, uh, on that note, I hope everyone is is well. Take care of yourselves. Take time for yourselves, and realize that um, you're worth it. And um, if you need to have time to yourself, if you need to have focus on you, um, that that is always the most important thing because when you take that time, you will be better and the people around you will be served by you being better as opposed to you trying to overextend yourself to help everyone else at your own expense. So take care of you, uh, secure your own oxygen mask first and then secure uh, the oxygen masks of those around you. And uh, I think we'll all be better off for it. So I'm going to say goodbye for now. Uh, I can't wait to come back and talk to you some more. Uh, I look forward to any of your comments or responses that you might have for me, um, especially if you disagree with me. Uh, <laughs> I'm riding off into the sunset. I'm going home, I'm tapping out. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>